0: Good evening, good afternoon, uh, good night wherever you are, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh wir haben einen ganz besonderen Gast today for you. I, I prepared that for you specially Matthew. Feeling uh, no, 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 <laughs> <Dank>. I uh, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> no this is him, this is him trying to start another cross cultural war again today. Um <laughs> So I, I just then as a side remote. note, then I I took special iTalki lessons this week in terms of upping my German game a little bit <laughs> further. Uh, so I, I figured I'd bring my A game as much as possible, right? <laughs> um, so yes, ladies and gentlemen, you've you've seen that there are three of us this evening, and there is a very special reason for this. I uh, I on many occasions I've spoken about the the differences in display patterns and the differences in information that happens in in between cultures within different country countries and between countries and the like so you know what we did we got you an expert in to uh expert in to talk about it firsthand uh, this evening so this is uh, <laughs> yeah this is this is Adams chance to shine really more than anything <laughs> So, so we've got my very good friend Matthew Williams here this evening. How you doing, my friend? How's how's everything across the pond, so to speak? Doing
1: well, probably same as it is over there. Uh, <laughs> uh, overcast sky today. You know, it's uh, where where I hail from in, in uh, upstate New York. It's it's one of the most overcast cities in the United States. So, I'm sure we, we share a lot of rainfall in common. It's probably why I'm so partial to uh, to British music and comedy. I mean, it's <laughs> must be the rainfall.
0: So that's it. A home away from home.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Yes.
0: Okay. So Matthew, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give everybody a a little bit of history about you. The, The guy has a BA in German language, Minor in philosophy, lived in Austria, was a student of the University of Salzburg for a year. But more importantly, what we've got him here to discuss this evening is his MS in International Studies with a research in cross-cultural communication. I was very concerned about the alliteration there that I was going to mess that up right from the start. Um, So that's essentially what we're going to talk about this evening, right? The, The differences and the information between us as people. Uh, and in how that changes not only from area code to area code, but from country to country, from cultural group to cultural group, from hobby group to and, and right the way through and around the world. So I'm going to I'm going to jump straight in to this uh, in terms of that. When we look at the idea, I, I've I've come across this a little bit. Right. But we're going to very much we're, me and Adam are here to learn uh, from you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are the, we are the padawans uh, we- to your yeah <laughs> pa- <laughs> we are the padawans to your uh mastery of the force in this in this particular situation so um we, first of all looking at the nature of intercultural versus intra cultural communication in that that the difference in the communication between parties from different cultures right and it it just I wonder if you could open up a little bit about the meaning behind that and some of the important takeaways that we can get from some of some of some of that first of
1: all oh certainly Uh, I let's start with uh, just the, the United States as a whole Sure. So let's let's talk about, about uh, inter versus intra. So inter meaning uh, it would be uh, the cultural differences, say, between the United States and the United Kingdom or the United Kingdom between Spain, so on and so forth. And intra meaning uh, region to region within your own country, your, your own place of origin. So uh, my interest in cross-cultural communication began uh, just by default, uh, as I've mentioned to you in the past. Uh, my my father moved from the southern states to the northern states to New York where he met my mother. They had me, and I am the only Williams that was born north of what we call the Mason-Dixon line, and if we go back in history, the uh, United States history, the Mason-Dixon line, for, for anyone who's not familiar with American history, the that's what divided the north from the south in the Civil War. So, uh, I'm the only Williams that does not speak with a southern drawl. Um, <laughs> and so, Uh, And during summers, I would I would uh, spend summers down south with with my father and his family. And from a very early age, there was just a a complete difference of pacing, a difference in uh, verbal communication, sentence structure, uh, concept of time. And so there was an adjustment even for for someone who is young, kind of going back and forth between these two cultures, even though I'd spend a week, a week to two months there during summers. Uh, going from the south to the north, so that sort of led into well, well people truly are different. People truly are different, even in your own even in your own family, yeah, really be different in and how they relate to one another. and uh, so I'm sure every family has someone who's perpetually late. every family <laughs> has someone who perpetually holds to timelines. so th- that was that was kind of the the very the the genesis of my interest, which then led to um my studying german at a, at a younger age i was one of those kids who was in what the, what here they would call a gifted program which essentially means i i wasn't good in sports and spent too many t- too much time in books so, <laughs> so they threw me in in high starting at uh 10 or 11 years old they, they threw me in, in our high school one one day one or two days a week where i'd learn foreign language and whatnot and i just really loved german and that of course led to an appreciation for the culture uh yeah so, so that's that is the genesis to kind of give you a little bit more Love of a it. background as to, as to what led me to where I'm at today. Um, my goodness, we got to put the train back on the tracks. Intro versus intra. <laughs> intra versus intra. So, so yes, I think it's it's important, uh, cross culturally, meaning in the truest term, uh, cultures be- between countries, mm-hmm. that we understand that you can't make a generalization about any particular culture.
0: Of, right? um, yeah, of course.
1: So so we have these these stereotypes that we carry with us, rightly or wrongly. And mm-hmm. a lot of that's just due to what we consume and confirmation bias. But uh we need to set some of those aside to understand that even within a particular culture, there is good and bad, right and wrong There are people that will conform to your ideas of what they're what what you believe their cultural norms are and some that won't. Yeah. Um, You can think even uh, thinking back to the 80s, like uh, Sting, Russians. Right. So, you know, do the Russians love their children too? correct that the whole notion of the Cold War and uh, and. The uh, the information we're being fed about two really diametrically opposed cultures the the evil empire and and the the the, the West and the rest and uh, if you were to actually go and and meet just some of the people some of the people outside yeah. of that the the, uh, the uh, talking heads and the people with the bull bullhorns you would probably find that you had more in common with them that, that <laughs> it did not conform to your ideas of what they were supposed to be yeah am yeah. I am I
0: uh, am i no I, I yeah you you are right but i just continuing on from that like and okay it, it, it raises for me like one of those particular kind of humanistic points um mm-hmm. in terms of that you know kind of reactionary judgment that a lot of people have and and as you say rightly or wrongly to to these different stereotypes people have them wherever they are wherever they exist you know so uh, as we are the deductionist podcast um what are the particular benefits for somebody of this ilk, uh, you know, of the deductionist ilk? What, what are some of the benefits that that has to your ability to communicate, for your, your ability to understand and read the information between the lines when you, when you know more about a, a particular kind of people and their interaction with, with the world around them, wherever that is?
1: Certainly. Okay. Let's, let's use degree of directness as an example. Uh, degree of directness so if a culture is is generally direct or indirect in speech let's say speech for example
2: yeah.
1: okay so a, a culture who prides itself on being direct in speech or speech patterns your yeses mean yeses your noes mean noes mm-hmm. if i express something you're supposed to take it at face value versus uh, an indirect culture if you say something that i disagree with i like, no okay All right. Whereas if you were from a direct culture and I'm from an indirect culture, you might consider that agreement versus me just being polite and agreeing with you with what you're saying, with what you're saying, as opposed to me agreeing with the concept behind that. Hmm. So if you know that someone is is from uh, uh, the context of an indirect culture, it can help you to speak with them in such a way as to perhaps gain information or perhaps to lead a conversation or perhaps to even uh, to find ulterior motive to, is, is, are we kind of on the right path there with? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, that's one example, uh, directness versus indirectness or um, uh, let's say source of status. Okay. Achieved or ascribed. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you, and, and, we can look at inter versus intraculturally if something is achieved or ascribed as well. Um, in the states, mm-hmm. status is achieved, right? It's not ascribed, okay? Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you make your bones. I mean, we, you know, Abraham Lincoln was, you know, self-made lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, fought his way to the presidency, right? No, no formal education, learned from books, became the president. There's the, you know, the American dream, right? You can lift yourself up by the bootstraps. You can, you can be anything you want to be. Even though all of our, I don't, I don't know how Trump fits in in this or uh, Biden, but all of our presidents except for Martin Van Buren were related. Like, you, if you look at their their uh, genealogical history, Martin Van Buren was was from of Dutch origins, but nice. all of our other presidents up into Obama were all related in some way, shape, or form. Wow. So, so anyway, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps; you can become president, but you know, it's it's still. <laughs> It's still a bit of a, a bit of a cabal, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, getting back on track, those sorts of status. So, uh, if if I want to irritate someone,
0: we've all believes, been there. I do I do it to him on a daily basis.
1: <laughs> who believes that just by 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 birth or by right they should be afforded a a, a level of respect. I won't show them the respect not. And I'm saying me, not that I've ever done. I'm a nice guy. You know that. So of course, of you know, course. I'm a pretty nice guy, but you know, um, <laughs> but if I wanted to, to yeah. irritate someone, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't uh, defer to their status at all. So, uh, so, th- so there's an example of, of uh, using something, using a cultural difference to, to, uh, an advantage to maybe, uh, get a particular outcome because people are very predictable when they're upset so if i know i can upset one someone when they're not boy i'm sounding i'm sounding like a horrible (laughs) person (laughs) how how can i irritate people using these cultural differences that i know you know (laughs) so the uh, dark
0: side is revealed
2: his president it's just takes me.
1: <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't. I didn't catch the first part of that. I my apologies.
2: Annoyed when Ben doesn't refer to me as the president. Normally <laughs> annoys
1: me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, well, that's probably one of the reasons why you want to start a war after the, the virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Sir, go right ahead.
0: I, I was. I was just going to say, like, in in terms of you know, um, the the use of information for. For 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 the ability to do with it as as you know your your end game requires whatever whatever that may be right you know there are those that use pens to write poetry but there are there are others that use pens to attack other people you know right it's all it's all in the uh, it's all in the eye of the beholder uh, as as it were but I, I think I think that's so important that uh, a lot of people uh, at, at least in my experience have this kind of uh, attitude towards the. Uh, the assimilation of knowledge that if I read enough books or if I take enough courses or if I do enough of this that it will give me that kind of understanding needed. And that, I do please correct me if I'm wrong, but that's that's not always the case when it comes to kind of cross-cultural uh, communication and the like.
1: Now, I th- I, the best way that I can put it is is as mar- in terms of being a martial artist. Well, you can, you know, which I've I've been doing for the past, well, most of my life, but for the for the past minus the last year with because of COVID for about the past decade, um, you can read as many books as you want to about the martial arts or martial arts techniques, but without getting in the physical practice, without knowing what it's like when someone's trying to, you know, put you in a chokehold or someone's punching you or kicking you, you really don't have an idea of of how to, to actually apply it real world just by reading books there is a place for reading and there's a place for uh, going over things mentally there was a, there was a study done at the university of chicago can't remember the year but it's, it's uh, irrelevant someone else can can look that up where uh, basketball free th- you free throws in basketball I, yeah yeah. I, yeah you know I, no. I i don't mean to to make assumptions or or i think, used to play in my I, youth very good okay so And at the University of Chicago, they did did a study where people would perform free throws. And they had three groups, one that uh, did nothing, one that physically practiced for a half hour a day, and another group that uh, visualized for a half hour a day. Hmm. At the end of the study, the people that practiced daily improved 24%. The people that visualized practicing improved 23%. So there was a 1% difference between those that visualize. And that's what a lot of the great athletes, such as like a Kobe Bryant, uh, Mm -hmm. was known for meditation, for Mm -hmm. thinking about how he would play through games. So I I think there is something to be said for the mental capacity, but I certainly agree with you that without interacting, I can read all the books I want to about how to relate to people cross-culturally, but if I'm not in that culture speaking to people, it's all theory. It's it's 100 percent theory and and theory is great, but it's 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 nothing until you can put it in practice. You have to prove it.
2: Is it. kind of like a balance. Like you can't have one without the other. You're basically going to be unbalanced if you don't practice both sides.
1: I completely agree. I, and you need that balance. Uh, there's a lot of people that that would stress. The, the action, the physical attributes or or the practice of verbal dialogue or whatnot. And then there's people that live in their ivory towers. And I do think you need to have the balance of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a conversation with a gentleman today just about, you know, who would you want to learn how to box from, uh, Customato or, or Mike Tyson? You know, Customato was, was the champion's coach, correct? Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Tyson's a phenomenal boxer. And I know people have their own personal opinions about him. But but some people, when they're that good at something, they don't understand how someone else cannot be that good at it, and it makes them a poor teacher. Yeah. So, uh, I I think that there is there, that advantage: those that can do, those that can't teach. Yeah, maybe to a certain extent. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be spending my 49th birthday this Thursday in bed after getting my second COVID shot. I'm sure, but at forty nine <laughs> years old, I have no I have no. Uh, delusions about my own personal physical abilities in terms of like martial arts, for example, Yeah. right? Even after a year of not training, I'd be lucky if I could kick a five-year-old shin. So, <laughs> but, but I know I'm a good instructor. I, I know I'm a, a competent instructor, yeah. so I, I can impart knowledge. Yeah. And right now we're supposed to be talking about cross-cultural communication. So I absolutely <laughs> bring it back to that for the deductionist podcast. So, so let's <laughs>
0: It's just—it's just reminded me of a of a funny story from the uh, from the six MX course we did together, right? Uh, for for those of you that don't know, I, I I used to teach the course, and Matthew was on it. Now we we came to the part where we were we were very much freewheeling at this stage, and it it reminded me earlier with you talking about God, what an evil git I am, <laughs> and uh, it it reminded me at the time because I I immediately bonded with the guy. He's he's covered in tattoos martial artist up the wazoo and so i'm like yeah we're, 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 we're gonna get on and um so there was a particular part of the demonstration when uh, we were talking about uh the way that you could use communication to uh let's say alleviate somebody of their of their password or their <laughs> number or their, or their security details right and i'm telling you now adam whole, holy shit right this is this is maybe 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 quarter to 1, 1am, 1 something like this my time. And so usually I'm getting a bit kind of oh, like I, I need some more coffee at this stage and then he started speaking and then I remember changing by this and I remember just talking about my own personal details and afterwards I kind of had this kind of retrospective <laughs> moment like what the fuck just happened there like you well, are <laughs> your name on Jesus <laughs> but if if that doesn't highlight the benefit of marrying the two in terms of book knowledge versus the ability to communicate with someone, granted, you, you know, with with your your fondness for the English ways, you you, you may have been better prepared than uh, you know, a, 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 perhaps a, a someone of a different background that you'd not had as much uh, experience with, but. I don't think that that would have hindered you in any way because I I gave him the keys, like <laughs> metaphorically speaking.
1: I, I was talking about almost did, but not quite. It was it was very close. I, you know, and and you saying that now, I recall the conversation. How what it was is uh, it was uh, had to do with work requiring to change your password. That was that, was that was one. the beginning of the conversation. So uh, I'm going to try and keep this short so that we don't uh, chase some of the viewers away. But, but what it was, was, you know, you're indignant about work having to change your password. So I started with the whole idea, and it was very much a misdirect. You know, they don't trust us. You know, don't they think I'm smart enough? And then I completely switched gears to you, knowing that you're Sherlockian. I was like, well, for me, all my passwords are quotes. And I use the first letter of each of the quotes and capitalize the nouns. And if I'm really being tricky, I'll do it in German, you know, and I'll capitalize the nouns. And I'm like, so, so do you, do you have a favorite passage in a Sherlock book? Like, what's your favorite Holmesian story? Do you, is that something that you, and so that, that was how that particular, I remember Yeah, that. I'm sure the video's out there somewhere of that, but that's, that's yeah how that progressed. That was I
0: I've, I've probably got it. I'll see if I can find it somewhere. Yeah, yeah like I unashamedly, absolutely ruined me, did absolutely ruined <laughs> me.
2: I mean, <laughs> a, right, if you can just sort of suddenly like guess all my stuff by the end of this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I just walk over every bit of my information <laughs> <laughs> my partner that we have to change. The,
0: <laughs> the locksmiths are already on the way, my friend. <laughs>
2: anyway so do you approach sorry do you carry on carry on uh, when you talking about indirectly and directly uh to get information like that do you have to choose an approach uh can it be done directly or indirectly or is it something that's done like an indirectly way like you're saying being agreeable and that kind of um sort of uh context of how you speak to someone or can it be done directly as well to gain that kind of information
0: does that change from culture I, no. to culture i think yeah.
1: yeah absolutely 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 it does and i think it starts it starts by being a good observer or a good listener yeah uh, it, it it starts by by if i were to be put in the context of a different culture entirely and i was looking to gain information from someone probably what i would do first if i if i had the capacity to understand the language is is i would not now during COVID, but <laughs> in regular lifetimes, sit at some place like a pub or a cafe and listen to how people interact with one another and allow that to form a sort of a baseline. Knowing full okay. so well that that uh, you know certain people, like if, if you're sitting next to a couple, they're probably very high context. So their manner of communication might be different than people just out
2: mm-hmm.
1: mingling at a, a bar or a pub so you'd you'd have to establish a baseline as to to the the uh, cultures communication style and then use that but uh, but i definitely believe in just being a good listener first okay. of all and to be completely honest with you uh, you know all all bullshit aside i i just love people i love communicating with people i love i just I, I love making friends with people that are from different uh, viewpoints, different and different, different cultures. Not to overuse that word. We're gonna just drive that word. We're gonna drive that word into the ground like the American with the show. Okay, we're just gonna just put culture and cross culture. We're just gonna bury that today with the amount we use it. But uh, in all honesty, everything that I that I do, like if I were to have like some sort of a mission statement for me personally, it would be to be a diplomat, a bridge builder to help people understand one another, because we, we certainly live in a time where people are unwilling, are unable to understand one another. It, there's so much dissension and conflict where it doesn't have to be, because the amount of, and you'd think in this day and age of, of all the information we have at our fingertips, but there's so much confirmation bias happening that people are have, have become unwilling to even broach the idea of, of seeing the value and where someone else stands. You know, they're there just because someone has one idea that they dislike. They just dis- mm-hmm. and one idea that they dislike. And I'm not saying you know, that, that some ideas are wrong and you shouldn't discount a relationship yeah, based upon a single idea. Because, you know, if I were to say to you, you know, I want to have my own cult and have a Jonestown. That's one idea that you shouldn't get on board with. Right. <laughs> but but understanding the context of of where someone is coming from. People have lost the ability to do that so yeah. that that if I were to have a mission statement, it would be to be a bridge builder, to be a diplomat and and just to help the people meet, feel more securely about themselves in their interactions. Yeah. So that's, you know, a lot of martial arts is, you know, I would never want, I'd never want to be in a conflict for the rest of my life. So there is so much more in reading body language and, and non and, and non physical skill sets that you yeah. can impart upon someone to recognize uh, nonverbally. Or even you know don't don't think of charm as a uh, an adjective think of it as as a verb you know like if mm. if I'm speaking to my my younger sixteen year old niece uh, you know he's not he's not being he's not being charming he's trying to charm you right <laughs> there's a difference in that right like you're you're, you're he's using he's using particular linguistics to, to not that I would use the term linguistics with her she would probably laugh at me but uh, <laughs> he, he's he's using something in order to get a desired outcome. That's something that I might say to her if, you know, as an example. So it's, it's providing people with skill sets to, 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 uh, help understand each one another and to, uh, to feel safe.
2: Yeah. Do you ever feel like there's never been a moment where there's been a wall that you can't overcome or there's a, a sort of block that people will put up just to slight like, people who don't necessarily want to give over the information that you're trying to get towards or steer towards? And how do you sort of like navigate around that? Or if it went the other way, how do you deal with not getting that information? If you get what I mean?
1: I, I believe I do. Um, I would say that if someone is so in, well, I've never been in a situation where I've needed information that bad that, you know, I'm not a spy. <laughs> regardless regardless but he
0: would point. be able to tell us
1: yeah <laughs> no i got the tattoos that just that precludes me from being a spy anyway right so um sadly but, yes uh, but yeah I, that, that that's a that's a fantastic question uh I, every everyone's an expert okay you gentlemen know this better than anyone okay so as someone who has. A master's. I I've, I've done. Well, did. I, it's not that. Uh, I'll, I kind of gave up following international uh, politics and whatnot just because it it really depressed the shit out of me on a regular basis. So I had to kind of go away from 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 uh, world affairs because it reading it about it daily, which I was doing on a regular basis, really just started to uh, to plague me emotionally. So uh, I, that's why I kind of stuck to some of these concepts is broader concepts, but in this day and age where everyone's an expert, I I truly have that, that 10,000 hours. Okay. Like I've done the work. Okay. I've done the work and I'm not saying this in arrogance because I still believe I'm at best a top seated amateur. You know, you call me an expert. I I would be more than happy to send you any of the, the papers that I've written or whatnot, but I still don't, I don't view myself as that. I just don't. Just more aware than other people, but you have someone who who might uh, look up a single article on Mm -hmm. a a website about a particular topic, and that's their be all end all truth. Mm -hmm. They've spent uh, maybe five minutes if they haven't scrolled fast, and you know, depending on how fast they can scroll through an article about a a, a particular topic, yeah, and that's their information. That's all that they have. So when it comes to people like that, I, I quite simply, if if I can't. If I can't reason with them, if, if they're not willing to at least entertain the notion, personally, I'd rather be called a hypocrite than than say that I've never changed my mind. Yeah, I, you know, I'd much rather someone say, "Well, you used to think like this. You're a hypocrite because you used to think or do this." Well, well that's fine, but mm-hmm. as new information presents itself, mm-hmm. I need to assimilate that into my life so that I can make better decisions. I'm not going to double down. You know, it's that. Uh, You know, the the, the people that consistently pay for gym memberships, they never, the sunken cost syndrome, right? So that's what it's called the sunken cost syndrome, where, you know, if, you know, it's, if, if I, you know, if I cancel my gym membership that I paid for for five years and I've never used, it means that it was all worth nothing. So it's the same, it's the same with people that have professed something, a belief, an opinion. They consistently double down the Milgram experiment. So once again, if, if I, if I stop, if I change my mind now, it means that everything that I've done before this is also incorrect, which may or may not be true. But I'd much rather I'd much rather uh, be adaptable to change. So to make another short story long, I'm sorry, we, Ben, we, we're, <laughs> I, I have like a million talking points that we haven't even touched on yet. But Mate,
0: people have met me. They know my sentences are like 4000 <laughs> words long. You, you carry on. Fill your
1: boots. You're, you're, you're very Dickinsonian. That's true. Correct. You get paid by the word. Is that how we're doing? Here? <laughs> right. It was the best of times. It was the worst time. Right. So, uh, so with, with, and I, Adam, in all honesty with people like that, you have to understand, and, and we, we all have family members like this. I'm sure that you can't convince them of anything. So why bother? Why bother? Why, why bother? And maintain relationship with them. If you can be friendly with them, yeah. I mean, you, you might be able to share conversations about film with someone, but never want to broach any any serious topics of uh, international relations or religion or world politics or, yeah. you know, why, why the, the Hutus and Tutsis fought or what have you. I mean, you would never want to engage in any of those types of discussions with them because, you know, you're going to get a, an echo chamber type of an answer without being able to think critically about anything else. Yeah. So uh, maybe I answered your question.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so quickly.
0: Wa- oh uh, God, sorry. No, no. no, no, no. It, it uh, we're about to be so incredibly British. Oh no, please. <laughs> oh no, I just. Oh my word, I'm so I'm so painfully polite. Oh no, what's
2: happening? You said uh, uh, quickly jumping back to the um, the fighting styles. You said again. Um, obviously, like knowing how to sort of like you can impact that kind of knowledge of, of how to approach combat, but. When we were talking before about different cultural groups uh is there a difference in um someone like a cultural group who would study martial arts and a different cultural group than that studying martial arts do you think there's a different
1: sort of type of um combat between them that's a great question and i would say i don't necessarily i think the motives for people studying are different culturally yeah I think the motives are different. I don't necessarily, you can think that one culture could say that one culture is more apt to study a martial art than another. Hmm. Uh, Because it seems like uh, every culture, you know, Capoeira in Brazil, Hmm. uh, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus traditional Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, Israeli Krav Maga, uh, Muay Thai. It seems like there's, there are a lot of cultures that just develop their own. the French have one that was developed Savat. on boats. I think it was. What, what's...
0: was that Savat?
1: Savat, yes. Yeah. So it's, it seems like every culture develop and of course you guys just have your SAS. So I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that they have their own fantastic style as well. So <laughs>
2: um <laughs> doing a zipline. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I think
1: that I, I I think that you have to look at the reason. And I think within each culture you would find people that have different reasons for studying martial arts. Hmm. Some for self-defense, someone combatively to, to participate in uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, some people just for physical development. Some people for the discipline. Some people to challenge themselves physically and to gain flexibility. Uh, there's, so I, I don't necessarily you think that you could say that there was one cultural group that's more apt to study a martial art than another. Okay
0: do you think it's possible then to recognize somebody from within a particular group by how they move within that martial art so like a uh, uh, a western boxer versus uh, somebody from mexico that boxes or 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 in the like does does that have any any grounding in that area in your opinion or experience yeah,
1: and i don't claim to be an expert in this either at all once again maybe a top seated amateur at best but yeah, I, w- I would think so. I, I I think that you can. I think that there is a difference in the way that certain martial artists move, or within combative situations, that they approach their objective. And I'm not necessarily talking about street fights, but uh, mm-hmm. the great John Danaher, who is one of the the, the greatest practitioners of jujitsu. You know, mm-hmm. he has four his four rules, and Ayuki, he's said this time and time again. And in in my lineage, it would be Henzo Gracie, John Danaher. Brian Glick my instructor than me so that's that's the lineage of of my jiu jitsu instruction so that's kind of the the, uh, the you know my my instructor uh, Jeff Scarlatta, yeah. one of my greatest mentors greatest friends uh, I'll I'll definitely give him a, a public shout out as well he's he's fantastic but um but John Danaher uh you know in th- the rules of jiu jitsu number 1 take the fight to the ground step 2 yeah. pass a dangerous legs step yeah. 3 Move from a series of positions where you can gain better advantage for striking or submission. And step four, apply the submission. So someone who is a jujitsu practitioner wants to take the fight to a ground, as opposed to someone who who, might be a boxer who might have no experience whatsoever on the ground at all. Hmm. So you might see what they call a shift in level. For 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 a, a, a combatant who might be a jiu-jitsu practitioner who shifting their level, meaning you know maybe going in for a leg takedown or something like that to take the fight to the ground. All right,
0: amazing. So you are just so a, far
1: off the original.
0: I'm just I'm bringing it back. I'm, I've I found the lasso. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. Um, when when I first started looking into this kind of um, uh, way of life, you know when it when it comes to the uh, the, the huge differences that there are uh, uh, across cultures there's the word again um, in in terms of try, trying to gain some knowledge without not necessarily having the the chance at exposure you know covid obviously gets in the way nowadays but for for our younger viewers and uh, people listening you know when i first started i was i was 14 i wasn't i wasn't allowed out to the bottom of my street without my parents knowing you know i i couldn't go off and go talk to the local people at the uh, at the chinese restaurant or anything like that so i was stuck with books for a while and and one of the things that came out particularly with this topic is there are a a number of um of details like you look at things like uh the the speech act with uh with uh, locution uh, illocution and perlocution that take these great kind of pains and a number of like 24 letter words going around to try and gain that kind of understanding and it's it's a tough read at times to get information that is really quite significant mm-hmm. so in the terms of sort of taking advantage Uh, of that. Uh, Could you give us a brief rundown of what they are in simplest kind of layman's terms and their relevance to what we do as people
1: readers? Absolutely, for sure. All right, so I'd like to start out by saying that whenever I have a discussion with someone, I always try to assume that they have the best of intentions. So, uh, whenever engaging in a conversation with someone, specifically someone from a different culture or a different background, I always assume that they're not trying to, to be offensive or insulting. Mm. And generally, when people are, you can tell. When mm. people are trying to dig at you, you can tell. But in, in, so that we'll, we'll lay that as, as kind of the, the, the framework that, that uh, in any discussion that you have with someone, assume that they have the best of intentions. Uh, in getting with the Speech Act, locution, illocution, perlocution, Locution is, is essentially sentence structure. It's the meaning of the language. If you were to look them up in Webster's, it's a subject verb predicate or, or whatever your basic speech patterns are in the language that you're speaking. Locution is what I mean when I'm saying it, or I'm sorry, illocution is what I think I mean when I'm saying it. And perlocution is how you, th- you receive that, what you think mm-hmm. that I mean when I'm saying it. Okay, so... If I if I say something to you, uh, what would be a good example? I'm trying to think of what, any example like what? I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a a, a a somewhat neutral, politically correct way of, uh, way of. Uh,
0: oh God! Is anything politically no, correct okay, nowadays?
1: Let's, <laughs> okay, let, let's start. Let's start very basic. Okay, let's start okay. very basic. Okay, let's. Uh, you know, I'm if if I'm with my wife, yeah, and you know, I I, I say to her. Uh, you know, honey, let's go out tonight. Mm. She says, I'm sick. That's her response. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I'll make you some soup. So think of those three sentences. Let's go out tonight. I'm sick. I'll make you some soup. If if someone from outer space were to come and view that exchange, not knowing the language structure, those three sentences really have nothing to do with with (laughs) each other unless you understand the context behind it. So her illocution to me, I'm sick. I understand that is I need to do something, right? So I yeah. my perlocution is I need to make her soup, and that's my response. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Okay. So so that's you know the locution is just your general structure, right? And yeah. the only the only thing that I can think of is is uh, you know in, in terms of linguistics. In general, is what I spoke with you about one of my one of my favorite and that's another thing I thought about the the uh, rural Brit- Britannia era of the mid 90s, just yeah. the uh, the beautiful Britpop and the the uh, uh, Damien Elburn and yeah. the Oasis and the Portishead and the massive attack and the uh, and the uh, guy Ritchie and I mean there was just like this cultural revolution in the, the mid 90s to early 2000s that I mean trip hop. And uh, <laughs> and just this beautiful Britpop and all these great films. Anyway, so we digress here. So the only thing I could think of as I was speaking to you is, is one of my favorite tunes that always amps me up that you, that you said was a, a karaoke tune, uh, Pulp's Common People. I love cool. that. I love yeah. that song. I love it. So once again, saying smoke a fag, you know, smoke a <laughs> fag and play some pool, Right. Yeah, that, that would have a completely different context depending on who you're speaking to in the states. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so quite disastrous. Knowing the context, right? Mm-hmm. You, you could get yourself in a little into a lot of trouble without knowing. You know, you know that you know fag being a c- cigarette versus a pejorative term for a homosexual. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that's you. You have to understand. And once again, which is and that that actually happened. To a friend of mine, her father was was a. Uh, he he immigrated from England here, and this was in the in the fifty in the sixties, and he asked a classmate for a fag. And he was, you know, he was pummeled for it. Of course, it was a 60s, different times, right? Of course. So, but just the same, like without knowing the context, right? People make assumptions and you know, thank goodness we're we're well past a lot of that now but that's why i always i always like to revert back to assume the best of intentions Mm. assume the best of intentions assume i'm
2: sorry have have you ever come across a situation where you're not um assuming anything but the person you're talking to uh depending on their sensitivity uh is indicating that the they feel well you're getting the sense that they think you have assumed something in a sense that like you, you've said something, but you said it unassumingly, but they've taken it to heart in a, in a way that could direct the conversation negatively. Uh, like negatively. Text, as messages.
1: As, is text, text messages. Yeah. I yeah. would say that generally it's, it's human nature. When we read something it's, and I uh, I'll throw out a number. I would probably say 80% of the time that when yeah. we read something, we, we read it, from someone else in a new uh, on screen letters or something different. Not that anybody's written a letter in yeah. forever, but if you're looking at a screen, eighty percent of the time you're reading that in a neutral to negative voice, yeah, in your head, yeah, correct. So I'm one of those people that if if someone doesn't know me that well, I'm I painstaking to write a three word text because okay, why did he say okay? What does okay mean? Well, to me, it means okay, right? <laughs> Not to someone else, well, two-letter answer, like. So, I think that people often do that. There's a lot of room for misunderstanding with text messaging.
2: Yeah,
1: and and that has happened often. And I have made a lot of phone. I'm almost fifty. Anything more than two text messages is a phone call, anyway. You know, I don't. You know, unless I'm in some place where I can't speak with someone. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I, I like to have that, you know, I like to l- at least listen to someone because you can get a lot in tone, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. very, we're very dependent upon body language in general, mm-hmm. in, in terms of our communication. Uh, and that's, these masks kill me. The, the masks kill me out right now because I'm a big smiler. You know, I, yeah. I, I, when I'm out, you know, I know that's, you know, that's just me. I like in the grocery store, there's a thousand people, people are miserable, you're bumping into each other. And I'm a very, you know, I'm a big smiler, excuse me, things like that, because you know, everybody's having a rough day. And if I, I can be the one kind face someone sees, I can be miserable on my own time at home. So so I try and <laughs> kind, of, kind of people, but now like learning how to smile or show appreciation with your eyes, it's a completely different ballgame. So it's the same thing with with, the communication. Like when you you were Mm -hmm. talking about misunderstanding and communication, you don't get any of the the tonality with the text message. You don't get any of the nonverbal cues with -hmm. text messages. So there's a lot of room. And and as I said, oftentimes, even people that we know well, it's you you can make these assumptions, especially now, because I think at, at least for myself, we're feeling more sensitive and hyper paranoid because we're spending so much more time with ourselves or alone mm-hmm. or with, you know, it's, it's difficult. I was uh, quite frankly nervous even doing this because it's been so long since I've had any sort of active well- conversation with people that it's, I was like, yeah, am I going to know how to, how to converse properly <laughs> with, with people that aren't my wife or my cats? <laughs> so, Yeah. <so, laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I think that often a lot of times with me it, it when when I believe those those miscommunications can occur, I'm very proactive. I'd much rather make a phone call. the the uh, pound of or was it the penny prevention the pound beats a pound of cure, correct. Yes. So mm-hmm. I like to be proactive. I like to be ahead of things. It's it's one of those things where if I believe that there's even a chance of a misunderstanding, especially with something important. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather make a phone call or say, "Hey, you know, just so you know, you know that that you're even at work. That Teams message I sent you. I know it might have sounded a little cold. I I was just busy. You understand that's not, you know, that's not what I intended. How, you know, what can I do for you? How can I make things better? If you're upset with how that sounded, it's truly not not what I intended. So, and that's why I believe once again, with starting that someone has the best of intentions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it just made me laugh with you saying that um, you're a big smiler, and like for me as well, I, I fully, I'm fully invested. For however much of my shell is um, miserable, leave me alone. I don't want to talk yeah. to you at all. I, I, res- I respond greatly, like with my friends and stuff. I'm a big hugger. Like I, yeah. I love, I love, I love to hug my friends and the people that I care about. But if I don't know you, get away from me, sort of thing. But on the general populace, in terms of England, you smile at a stranger, and it's very much a case of. What right you like, oh God, <laughs> is he going to steal my wallet but I, I i thought that was just a funny for instance it, you mentioned earlier it may have it may have been in passing right at the start in reference to um the concept of time between, mm-hmm. between between uh different big c word cultures again uh so i just just to look at that in terms of um as as a as a subject you know as an umbrella term because f- the way that time can be affected surely isn't through, uh, you know, uh, uh, an element of cross-cultural communication, but it, it definitely plays a part when you look at things like the uh, uh, the macro versus the micro elements and, uh, um, come on memory, um, universalist versus the p- particu- particular, I can't say yeah. the word, thank you. Yeah, universalist <laughs> versus
1: particularist, certainly, yeah. Thank you,
0: thank yeah. you. Yeah. So how, how is, how is this relevant to what we do as people read? It's a concept of time. What? That's mind blowing.
1: Okay. And so your concept of monochronic versus polychronic. Okay. So uh, someone who has a monochronic ver- uh, view of time, time is an external force. So you're, you're dealing with deadlines, you know, appointments are to be kept. Uh, the workday starts at a particular time and, and ends at a particular time. Um, even on social events, if I say, "Be you know, be at my place at four o'clock," if you're here at four thirty, then you know maybe I'm ru- I'm I'm rubbed the wrong way. Versus someone who has a polychronic view of time, uh, the clock is something that's internal. It's something that mm-hmm. I can control. Okay, there's always enough time. I can make time for my friends. I can make time for my family. I'll get the work done. Yeah, so does does that that that's kind yeah, of yeah. a very broad. Very brief explanation. So, monochronic external, polychronic internal. It's how you know is is time your master or do you master time? And I'm a big believer in in keeping appointments, right? Like you can't run a martial arts class if 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 you start a class at five o'clock and someone shows up at five thirty. Well, you you know you're at the end of the class, right? Yeah. Like you 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 in certain instances, much like when we talk about uh, knowledge versus execution. Mm. Uh, as with anything, I think when when it comes to time specifically, I think it's good to have a balance. Mm. But you have, you know, you have certain peoples and certain cultures that are very rigid when it comes to everything based upon time. Time is that external force, mm. and I think there is a place for that. But I also think that you have, a, have to have a little grace with people and with certain situations because of circumstance to to uh, to bend time to your will. Yeah, well.
0: Why Why do you think that differs particularly from culture to culture and not just the way that people develop their own opinions around that in the same way that and, and I, I'm by no means condemning an entire culture to this, but I've got four friends from the same country and they're all the same um, uh, from from mainland Spain. They will never be on time if their life depended on it. it like it could not happen. And they they've spoken to me at length about the nature of of how it's not really a considered thing. So long as you get there, get the job done, and it's awesome, you know, say la vie, sort of thing. Why 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 do you think certain certain cultures are are developed uh, around these particular concepts?
1: Okay, so that that's that's a a great question, and I think a lot of it just has to do with a work ethic. Hmm. So which which is another another one of those things that. Uh, it was on that that list that that list that handwritten list that I sent you. So, if you yeah, attitudes right. or towards work, right, achievement versus quality of life. Mm. Okay. So, for some people, they they keep the deadlines, they keep to work schedules or whatnot because they're looking to climb a corporate ladder. They're looking to gain recognition. Versus other people, the work, what they do for employment, is a means so that they can enjoy their life more. Mm. Okay. So so. It has to do with if you look at at cultures, especially uh, is cer- certain countries in Africa. Okay, yeah. so if you if you were to to set a meeting with uh, with a, a, I'll just use a generic term, a, a tribal chief in Africa. Yeah. Uh, from a Western country, you know, what do they know about nine to five or keeping Oof. a clock? What, what do they know about it, right? Nothing. Nor should <laughs> yeah. they. You think of the think of the film. I don't know if you you're familiar with the 80s film. The gods must be crazy. Yes. The, okay. So the gods must be crazy. I highly recommend that the Coke. The gentleman in the airplane throws the Coke, coke bottle out of the airplane that <laughs> lands in in this rural Africa in this tribe, and then where they've had no possessions or whatnot, they start fighting over this Coke bottle because it can be used to, you know, flatten the, the the pelts or whatever they're using. And then, of course, our protagonist has to go and throw it off the end of the earth. And he goes to this cliff, which really looks like the ends of the earth to throw the Coke bottle off of. Right. So you have this culture that has absolutely no concept of a workday or nine to five or the, the schedule that we keep. And I'm, I'm not saying that uh, in Spain that they don't, but their work days are much longer. They have their siesta, yeah. their shops are open much later. I remember living in Austria, right? Everything mm-hmm. closed at five. This was 91, of course, things could be entirely different now, 91, 92. So, but everything closed at five. And then during Lent on Thursdays, things were open till eight and that was a big deal, right? So, you know, in, in uh, Paris in 2000, things closed early except for the the tobacconists and some restaurants like you could always buy cigarettes hmm. you know but uh, but everything else you know was was closed so if if you are not used to keeping that sort of a schedule if you're not used to having to to be at any particular place for any time then of course you, you always have time to do something you you know, yeah, right. I have food today. I don't need to hunt until the food's out. Right. Or I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have shelter and I'm, I'm not trying to be simplistic or anything like that. But, but if, if I live in a society where I'm a hunter gatherer, then I work when I need to yeah. versus we're, we're all kind of plugged in to the matrix here right now, you know, doing our nine to five or whatnot. So, which Thank at you- some point we should have a conversation about films in 1999. We really oh. should, but that'll be, you know, we have well,
0: to. I can talk funny, about it. Funny, that, you yeah. should mention that, right? Because, yeah, uh, uh, yeah me, me, and Adam, like, we, 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 have certain like pop culture references where we'll we sort of illustrate a particular point that we're talking about by talking about films and and TV. But oh, we hope.
2: that's actually the axis of every conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. It is. One one of the first things I um I I said to Adam was a phone call between flats asking him for film titles. But less like before we even really knew each other's names, I just knew what he did for a degree. So I like, tell me about this film, dude. And then <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that. I digress. But when we look at the the restrictions of um of COVID and the like for learning and education and exposure, um towards different cultures and understanding the information between between the two and and how they um interact between each other, like. When I'm teaching uh, security personnel about situational awareness and the response to mindset, I always, always encourage them to watch Roadhouse. Always, always encourage them to watch Roadhouse because, like, there's a particular scene in there, and I'm, I'm sure you remember it, uh, Matthew. I'm, have you seen Roadhouse, dude?
1: Absolutely. You know, of course
0: so the, there's a there's a scene where um uh, patrick swayze is talking to the new crew that he's just taken over and then then they're talking about like um so what if this guy does this be nice so what if this guy does this be nice what if he calls your mother a whore patrick swayze turns around and goes is she <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to me that was kind of the, the greatest sort of Bing, light bulb moments in terms of mindset development that there is my point being that in terms of this kind of um relationship that communication can have and how it can change from area to area can be understood in this way and i know we've spoken about it at length but i'm going to bring it up now the office okay
1: there we go the, the, the office,
0: office. And the many different versions therein. Obviously, you know um, Ricky Gervais likes to talk about the fact that Brit- Britain came first, you know. Um, but it's it,
1: about it... the fact that uh, the Germans, the Germans stole his idea with Stromberg, <laughs> which they they said was something completely different. To his reply was, "Oh, look at that! The Germans trying to take something that didn't belong to them." <laughs> So,
0: <laughs> not like Great Britain ever did that. What, what was it called? The Great <laughs> British
1: Empire. Great. Yeah, the, the sun Empire. never sets in the British Empire. Is that not it just uh, <laughs> you know the sun never sets? You know we you know <laughs> the, the movie Mordecai Johnny Depp still referring to America as the colonies. You know, love that movie yeah. by the way. I don't know why it gets such horror. It's like got a like a a two on round tomatoes. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. I just anyway. I've gone down in cool points with everybody on this, and I, <laughs> I just use the word "cool," which you know i just my my IMDb rating has just gone. Way down so <laughs> let's go back to the office now. <laughs> yes. So in 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 terms
0: of. Um, your understanding of the benefits that the observation of this can have, from from a legitimate standpoint, right? From a legitimate understanding that the differences between the two that that can provide. What's been your experience of that?
1: Uh, are we going to speak specifically just to UK US kind of comparison, well, it, or like if you,
0: it, the more you can bring in? Okay.
1: So. Yeah, I think that one of the fundamental differences between the UK and the US office is just optimism versus pessimism. Okay. So if you, if you look at the, and here, this is where I'll have to get my sheets. I'll start getting names confused. I think (laughs) it was, uh, it's Tim and Don I think that's, that's, uh, that's the, the, the UK version that the uh, secretary and the salesperson and Jim and Pam for the U S so Tim and Mm Don Martin Freeman and the actress whose name I can't remember. And then, uh, Jim and Pam. Okay. So in the UK, the office, it seems like the Tim and Don are just very settled in their roles. Mm. Don is seems very con- content to be a, a receptionist. Mm. And uh, Tim lives with his parents. So yes. he does it has no direction, no clue. He's just you it know, just the the, the salesman It's and no no real aspirations. Uh, okay. Let's, let's even back this up a little further. How, f- Adam, how far are you into the office? You said you're, are you past season five yet? I am past season five. Okay. Very good. Okay. So the UK, and I love this about UK shows in general, it's, it's two seasons of six episodes and a Christmas special. That seems to be kind of a UK formula. Okay. Yeah. Whether you look at extras and, or the office it's, it's two seasons, Christmas special we're, we're out. Okay. It's a rarity when, when, Shows last longer, you know, Mighty Boosh, three seasons, right? But Space, two Good seasons, luck. okay? So, you know, IT Crowd, four seasons, and then the, the fifth season's really a movie, but digressing again, digressing. Um, so the culmination of the, the UK office is Tim and Dawn get together, right? She ditches the the, the warehouse guy. They get together, you know, and they're happily ever after as probably – you know, just, just being together. Okay. So the U S office, nine seasons, Pam and Jim get together in season five, have the big wedding. And then Pam is never content to be a receptionist. So she goes to art school. She then cons her way into being, uh, an administrative, uh, uh, I can't even remember the role. She, she cons herself into a role
2: mm-hmm. by,
1: by hornswoggling the person who's in charge, who doesn't challenge her on a new position and she gets a raise. Okay. So the gym character uh, in the American office, not content of being a paper salesman, he becomes a sports agent that rep- represents one of the one of these great uh, Major League Baseball players. OK, so it'd be like kind of the Tim character deciding in uh, 2001 that he's going to start off his own uh, sports representative agency and he, rep- he then represents uh, Beckham yeah okay so so there is like this whole idea of the the american optimism it's always we're always moving forward we can always be more this is just a stepping stone you know tomorrow's a brighter day you know i i get the girl but the girl is not enough now i need to do this this and this whereas tim and Don just are happily live happily ever after and their day-to-day life kind of a deal right so that that to me is kind of a Pessimism versus optimism. I'm here. I'm doing the nine to five, you know, living the dream. You know, here every day. Very content. That's the feel that I get, you know, Ricky gervais you know, the, the uh yeah. failed comedian. The yeah. Wonderful song, songsmith though. That <laughs> that he does with uh Noel Gallagher, the video that he does that uh, the, was it free love on the free love freeway or whatever it is.
0: I, I have no idea, but I, I I know what you're talking about.
1: But <laughs> it's such a fun song, but uh the German concept of Fremdschämen, uh, Germans have a word for everything, right? Schadenfreude, right? So, yeah. you know, taking taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Uh, you know, if you if you eat compulsively when you're u- uh, upset, it's uh, Kummerspeck, or uh, literally translated worry bacon. Uh, but one of my favorite <laughs> expressions in German is Fremdschämen. Uh, and my throat's a little dry, so I can't get the guttural arg. So any of my, my uh, German friends, I'm sorry, that are watching right now. But it is it is the feeling of embarrassment for something else that you're watching, okay? Frumgiman, okay. So when I watch the British Office, right, Ricky Gervais does stuff that there are, there are times, even having watched it 50 times, I have to fast forward <laughs> through certain parts. <laughs> I I can't watch it like it Man. just makes me uncomfortable, right? <laughs> like the American Office has maybe one or two of those moments in its <laughs> you know 125 seasons, and I do <laughs> love the American <laughs> Office as well. I really do. I own it, you know, I've, I probably go, it's one of those things, like, I, I can't fall asleep when it's quiet, so mm-hmm. if yeah. I throw a television show on at night, it's going to be, like, you know, The Office or Community, it's going to be one of those old faithful yeah. kind of things.
2: An awkward charm that you can survive through, rather than the awkward grit of the real like, the, the realism of the UK, what you sort of, sort of just have to, kind of, like, bear with it.
1: And just right. <laughs> but that's, I think that's another big difference though, right? Yeah. Just these these cringe-inducing moments, which the American Office has. Uh, there's one episode of the Israeli version of The Office where there is an incursion into, and I'm. It's been forever, and you can't access them here uh, easily anymore. So I'm playing by memory from seeing it a long time ago. But there's an incursion into the Gaza Strip, and there is uh, an Arab, someone of Arab descent who works. I I don't want to because I don't know the. The actor who plays it, so I don't know if he's Palestinian or for, from somewhere else. So, forgive me if anyone who's watching, uh, please correct me in the comments. Email, email your concerns to to Ben, and you can forward <laughs> them to me. But um, there, so and there is a, a, there is someone of Arab descent who works at the office, and then there is uh, someone who is Israeli who then suspects this person of colluding with the enemy in the office.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have this. Uh, I'll say I'll say Palestinian who's. Always on the phone speaking. I believe in Farsi, and so they 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 want to make a rule that you can't speak in Farsi in the office because everyone needs to know what you're talking about. Not to mention the fact that the the Arab character is is a homosexual as well, which which plays into a whole other set of stereotypes with with Arab cultures in general. Or it, was it? Uh, Ahmadinejad said there's there's no homosexuals in Iran. I think mm-hmm. he said that right. Like mm-hmm. really. Uh, but, So so not not the the whole cultural relevance of the the fact that that the the only Arab in the Israeli office is also is 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 a homosexual and probably wouldn't be involved with a terrorist movement because of the repercussions of a terrorist movement, finding out that he was a homosexual. Right. So something like that, like watching that, like me watching that, thinking of even here like that even talking about it here like i feel horrible even talking about it but yeah it an episode that aired right and you know so like <laughs> so talk about that from shaman once again right there there it comes, Yeah, like i feel bad even talking about it so so that is something that just doing an episode like that here now just certainly would not fly of course of course you watch films now that you know could never be made today just because of how culture has shifted yeah so.
2: absolutely
0: if you it watch Team America's probably one of them.
2: Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah. have you ever seen the film? Is it Airplane? Yeah. Yep.
0: Oh God, yeah. Yep. The jive talking Nana.
2: she's she's brilliant. It's yeah. an film, but if you watch that, um, <laughs> if you watch that, that that film or series of films again, you just realise that they they can't be done today. Well, those j- jokes can never be re- repeated in a PC society. <laughs> you that at all. would be sent off. <laughs> yeah. But you lose it out
0: of time. I, I was just going to say, I think every now and again, though, Leslie Nielsen should, should just open any door and go, I just came to wish you good luck and don't call me Shirley.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And I think it's good that we've shifted culturally away yeah. from certain things. Okay. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that we should all of a sudden strike everything from the film record as well i think it, i think it's good you know a, a side note so i, I call him my uncle, uncle. he he's since passed away vinnie bell who is uh the one of the inventors of the the wawa pedal uh, he is uh, he worked with angelo bedellamonte on the uh, if you listen to twin peaks my all-time favorite show the yeah. guitar playing in twin peaks is it's my yeah. uncle vinnie who also did uh, he did the love theme to the to the uh, show airplane if you ever look no up uh, it's he, he, there's great, great anecdote. He, if you, the, the song, the uh, sounds of silence, uh, Simon, yeah. Hagar, he did the electric guitar on that. So if you ever look him up, he was a wow. fascinating musician. One of those unsung heroes, uh wow. studio musician, love spending time with him uh, later in life, had some great stories, Sinatra's band leader for a while. Uh, one of the most humble people you could ever, like if you were to see him out, you would never know it. Just one of the kindest. Uh, I love the man. I think he should be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some point. That's wow. probably a petition for. But you mentioning airplane just made me think of my uncle Vinnie Bell. So Vincent Gambello, Vinnie oh, Bell. So be if problem. you ever look him up, yeah, it's he's an amazing person. was, you know, yeah, an amazing person. So yeah, oh, so, just- so crazy. Should we get back to the office now or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I was I was just gonna maybe. Uh, perhaps play devil's advocate with that why why do you why do you think then that like uh the the popularity of british shows i think the office is probably the only exception when when they when they translate overseas regardless of where they go don't tend to work like if you look at uh, the in-betweeners men behaving badly uh, the the IT crowd and the like, uh, to some sense, oh, what was that one that was based on Frank Gallagher? Um, shameless. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's not necessarily a comedy, but it's very uh, urban, cultural, um, and the like. Why, why do you think these don't tend to work well once you open them out towards uh, different areas of the world?
1: I, I don't know that I really have an answer for that because, to me, uh, I just... I appreciate the British sensibilities just in Fair general. Enough. I don't get, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that there is a certain, what I would call realism to British shows. Yeah. I, think, I, I truly think there's a certain realism to them. Not that you can't attain to be, to, to, to do better, to be better or whatnot. But I mean, you look at the IT crowd, those guys in the basement are going anywhere, right? Like they, even though comedy, like, you know, Jen in one episode tried to, to escape once. And and found that she was just pulled right back in there because they needed her, even though she yeah. knows, knows nothing about computers. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, it's. It, I think there's a certain sense of a realism to to uh, British shows. I really do. I think there's a, there's a certain groundedness in mm. British shows, and there's a certain self deprecating humor, and and it's to be the difference between like a Monty Python and a Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. It's it's there. There's there's just a certain type of humor uh, that doesn't necessarily translate well to at least to American audiences. And and we do like to beat something to death anyway. We really yeah. do like more different, faster, funnier. You know, well, you know, now now that Jim and Pam are together, he does have to become a, a sports agent now. So yeah. whereas to me, to me, there's there, there's there's certainly not a realism to that. There just isn't. Uh, There's this, uh, you know, this, this mentality that of, uh, and maybe we could talk about balance again between US, UK sensibilities, right? This whole follow your dreams. You can be whatever you want to be, right? Like, like you have, I don't even know how many kids here that play, you know, basketball or football, American football, excuse me. And in uh, in high school that, that think they're going to be the next, uh, you know, the next uh, Michael Jordan and, the percentage of people, you know, follow your dreams, follow your dreams. Well, yeah, maybe, but have a backup plan, right?
2: Yeah. Like,
1: uh, I think that maybe, and you know, Morsi, we hate it when our friends become successful, right? Great tune, right? Fantastic song, uh, but just the same, I think there, there is a, at least from an American perspective or a state's perspective, not to speak <laughs> from the entire continent, um, there, there is at least. It, From my perception, looking across the pond, whenever someone becomes successful, they're almost scorned in society. Yeah. Whereas here we, we want to celebrate success and for people trying to be better to a certain extent. There is a law of diminishing returns and a tipping point when people have become too successful, specifically when it comes to music or culture here. Then it's just it's just not good anymore. I was going to use the word cool again, but then I would go into the negative ratings in my IMDb profile, so uh, then there is once again that law of diminishing re- returns, where you know as soon as as soon as everybody knows something, it's it's no longer it's no longer uh, culturally relevant. Then we have to learn or go on to someone else, someone new, someone different. But I think we want we want to celebrate people's successes. We want to see success stories here because then we can live vicariously through them,
2: hmm.
1: as opposed to uh, tearing down someone for being better you know it's the the, the japanese saying the that the uh the, the the nail that sticks out gets hammered down yeah right so yeah, we want yeah. everything to be uniform so when someone starts to try and achieve uh, st- someone starts to achieve a modicum of success we want to kind of pull them back in right we want them to be miserable like us right in their daily lives especially now during covid we want that we don't want them to have uh, you know this uh, sense of success or happiness whereas i i think that uh here U.S. versus U.K. office specifically, we like the fact that Steve Carell then you know gets to leave and be with the love of his life and maybe become successful as opposed to the David Brent who ends up soiling selling to, uh, toiletries uh, after he loses his job at the office for speaking out against the uh, the new boss, right? Like that's and you know he he wastes his settlement money recording his one video and his one song, you know, and doesn't achieve any success for it. He goes on stage in the Austin Powers costume he gets ridiculed on stage, right? Like that's that's not something that we we as a, as an audience in the states want to see, yeah. right? We want to see, and, unless we're watching art house films, which in all honesty just means European films. <laughs> in this place, right? If we're gonna see an art house, you know, maybe now, maybe Jim Jarmusch, you know, Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai, you know, great right. art house film, you know, it's just a fantastic film. Uh, you know, when it first came out, the Blair Witch Cop project, you know, great found footage, yeah. art house film, early days, you know, kind of a deal. But uh, we want some sort of an escapism. Yeah. But I, I don't even know that I can say that anymore, because at one point you could say that uh, man looked at the uh, front page of the newspaper to view man's tragedies and man looked at the sports page to view man's triumphs. Right. Yeah. But now sports and politics, especially here, has become so intertwined. Mm. You can, we can, you can no longer do that. You, you know, everybody now, you know, I'm banned, you know, you know, players are taking a knee at, at the beginning of NFL games. So I'm not watching that anymore. Right. Or whatever. It's just, you know, to me, I, I enjoy watching people doing, doing the best at what yeah. they can do that I could never do. Yeah. So I, no matter what it is, maybe with the exception of golf, Churchill saying, you know, it's a way to spoil a good walk. Right. <laughs> I can appreciate the skill set, but I can't watch it. Right. It just, no. You know, put me right to sleep, right? Yeah. You know, I'm the thing
0: with cricket. Uh, yeah, as which well.
1: which I just I, I won't even pretend to begin to understand <laughs> cricket at all. I mean, I just don't even won't even pretend to understand it. Don't won't try to understand. I mean, you could try to explain it to me. You know, I just don't know that I have the capacity in my in my uh, American mind, states mind. <laughs> to, to understand how it works. Day, games will the last days, you know, baseball, right? Baseball doesn't have a time limit, but still it's nine innings and we're going to call yeah. it at some point, right? Like it's eventually the game's <laughs> going, going to last a week, right? You know, it's so, <laughs> yeah, I
2: don't. <laughs> people who fall into those situations where they do have to uh, talk about sports or something where they are kind of not necessarily alienated, but just not as informed as the person they're speaking to. Uh, for example, I, myself, I I know of sport, but I know very little about sport. Uh, I get what it's about, but if um, I end up in a conversation and usually because it's pop sport, it's football, especially over here, is a very popular thing amongst men to talk about. So how would you sort of advise someone who falls into a conversation where they don't want to make it obvious that they... They're not interested in football or sport or, or that sort of thing, but they want to keep the conversation flowing when that, convers- that topic does
1: pop up. Fantastic. You just made me think of uh, Bluffball.co.uk. Did you see that ludicrous display yeah. last night yeah. Right with Moss, right? Bluffball.com, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? So <laughs> That's the thing about Arsenal. They always try to walk it in, right? Like there's that set of back and forth. Um, I think that that in that particular instance, and and I, ironically enough, I, for about a, a good ten year period, I, I ran a sports collectibles business. And before I started it, the people that approached me, uh, you know, I did it for for them with two very good friends of mine. I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about sports. And then over a ten year period, I have I probably have forgotten more than I'll ever want. There's too much there's too much being wasted up here by, <laughs> by, by <laughs> sports knowledge right now. But uh, in all honesty, I think that you you could, uh, if you were speaking to someone about football, for example, and I I mean that in the true sense of the word, not American football. Or it could be any sport. <laughs> right? You could speak about you know, especially if they're if they're talking about uh, triumph or tragedy, you know, you could relate it back to, you know, look at watching people being the best at what they're doing. Yeah. Like you know, doesn't it take tremendous skill? Like what what do you think it ta- you know like what what do you think it takes for someone uh, of of a uh, and I you'll have to forgive me and now I'll show my ignorance I I couldn't tell you any you know be- Beckham's about as far as I go okay like I know I know Beckham I know Ronaldinho us, us too yeah well, okay fair enough but, <laughs> but you know what what does it take for someone like that to achieve the level of success that and so so now now you know obviously f- football is is their passion they do it every day what 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 is your like what do you what do you strive to be the best at like and even if they say it's just to know a lot about fo- football. Okay. So so tell me then, like, what, what do you do on a daily basis? Like, are you constantly following games? Do you follow different or matches? Matches? Games? Matches? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I put Potato, uh, potato. Okay. Very good. Right. You know, out of bounds, into touch. Right. I don't know. You know, learning the, the different expressions, the various, you know, watching Ted Lasso on Apple. Hey, Ted Lasso, familiar with that show at all or no? Apple no. TV. no. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's about an American an American a collegiate American football coach that goes to, to coach a football team in England. And it's fantastic. Wow. That is a great show. Just to, once again, to, to look at cultural differences, to look at uh, you know a, 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 a clueless American finding his way <laughs> through uh, British culture. It's, it's really fantastic. But uh, anything that anyone is passionate about, you can get them to speak about other passions, right? Speaking about one thing that someone is passionate about can, can lead them into speaking about something else they're passionate about. Much yeah. like today, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about cross-cultural communication, which I am, I am incredibly passionate about, mm. but I've gone off the rails, uh, in a, a number of different directions that you could then use to, to get me to speak about anything else, be it, you know, be it British alternative rock of the eighties or, you know, what's because whatever you want to. So once I think it would, would, in finding that touchstone, you use the one thing that you can hold on to as a bridge to something else. So yeah. what, what do you think it takes to, for him to be as good as he is? Like, how, how much does he practice every day, do you think? Or do you think it's just natural, right? So, okay, so does he practice, you know, three hours a day? Okay, do you do you have to do you, you watch football three hours a day? Okay, very good. So, So in doing so, like, what do you gain from watching these games every day? Is it just the pursuit of watching someone do something they're great at? Is it some? Do you do you watch Arsenal because you you know your your parents did? Do you watch it because you your your mates did when you were young, or is it something that you has an inter, interest that you recently developed? Uh, when you and your when you and your mates are out watching Arsenal, do you find yourself watching the game, or like for me, for example, I I, I enjoy baseball. I enjoy a million times more being in the South Bronx, watching a Yankees game at Yankee Stadium. To me, there is an experience of being in the South Bronx at Yankee Stadium because it is a social event. It really is a social event with people, you know, having your $15 hot dogs and $25 Heinekens. And, but if you're, it's your the social interaction with the crowd that you're with. And then when something exciting happens, it pulls you all together to the game. Mm. It's really to me. It's it's about social interaction. The game is serving as a backdrop. So you could say when you're out with your mates at at the pub watching, and I'm using Arsenal as an example. I don't know, you know, I know Arsenal, Man U, Man City. Vinnie Jones, I think, played for uh, Chelsea, I believe. That famous photo of of Vinnie Jones grabbing,
2: grabbing,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would would love to have an autograph photo of that. (laughs) (laughs) By the way. (laughs) <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, Bullet Tooth Tony, right? Big Chris, right? The great character. film. I, I just, I think he's just so phenomenal, in, in those roles, he plays those those roles so well. And and by all accounts, as well, he's like anecdotes from Guy Ritchie. He's one of the nicest guys in the world too, which you, you wouldn't think of that. But uh, pulling back now, putting the train back. <laughs> uh, is the football match something that is in the background so that you and your mates can have conversations about other things, or do you find yourselves all involved in the match? All right. And if you and your mates are having other conversations, what do you guys talk about? Do you just talk about work for the day? Do you talk about, you know, what you're going to do on the weekend? Like what, what do you like? What do you speak about? So, so it's it's using that as kind of the pivot point or the backdrop leading into other topics of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you could, in turn, might be able to learn more as well if you're receptive enough. You know, I'm just—I'm a stats guy. I watch it for the stats all the time. So tell me then. So then, you know, who did uh, you know? What, tell me some of Georgie Best's best stats, okay? So you know, you know, Ronaldo good, uh, Paley better, Georgie best, isn't that the, the saying over there? Or something yeah. like that. Something. you know, I yeah. know bit, yeah. uh, <laughs> You know a little bit about. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, so using using the cultures
2: football than I know about my own cultures. <laughs> <laughs> using this
1: now, <laughs> well, well, it's just, it's, just same, right? it's it's being willing, but it's being willing to learn, right? It's being willing to learn. Like, in all honesty, especially after working in the sports collectible business for ten years, when when we when we shuttered the shop in twenty thirteen. I had no interest. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not a really big sports guy. I like American football because it's one game every Sunday. If the team makes it to the Super Bowl, it's 20 games. It's not a big commitment. You can watch it passively. You know, you get and, – and every game matters. So it's one game a week, and then you're done. It's not like 116 games of baseball or 84 games of the NBA. Or So it's it's not a huge commitment. But when we shuttered the doors, the last thing that I wanted to do was – Talk about watch, think about any sporting event, at all. There was a good. I'm in fact even now in 2021. 20, I had to look at the calendar down. <laughs> 2020, all the days just kind of blend in together. It's that Fight Club copy of a copy of a copy. <laughs> Movies in 1999: Matrix, Office, Office Space, Fight Club, all having to do with man's place in uh, the, the workforce and uh, finding greater meaning. So. Think, go back being John Malkovich. Look at films from 1999. Think, think, of the, think of the similar f- themes, especially between Fight Club, uh, The Matrix, and Office Space, right? Man's doldrums in work, trying to break free, taking the red pill, doing something different, breaking out of the mold, right? And Fight yeah. Club, right? Yeah. So being Sorry. hypnotized into something greater and Office space, yeah. not caring, right? So yeah. anyway... So see, I say, got, I got the 1999 references in there somewhere, right? The film's <laughs> of 1999. But uh, looking at this, knowing that we're in 2021 now, I'm just getting to the point now where I'm starting to be able to really enjoy watching sporting events again. I will never follow it like I used to or, or have the, the, the uh, desire for that. Mm-hmm. It, takes, it takes up too much bandwidth mm-hmm. right now. And I'd rather take the time in uh, pursuing more things, more uh, academic in nature. I guess it's something more beneficial overall.
0: So, yeah, amazing. What what other, what other coach, counselor, teacher is going to advise you to watch films for a kind of cross culturally communicative education? Right. (laughs) This is where it's at. So, uh, to me, just before we wrap this up, right, one of the biggest takeaways for me personally from this is that that there appears to be this kind of um, almost uh, overarching opinion of of what it takes to read a person that this means this and personally i can't stand that view i can't stand it It, it's 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 very much about this 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 humanistic experience and how entangled you want to get in that in order to be able to understand communicate and see this kind of level of information that's there you've got to you've got to get your hands dirty like we spoke about right at the start in terms of understanding Through martial arts, right? You've got to, you've got to do a class. I always refer to it as uh, learning to swim from your bedroom. (laughs) You know, every every now and every now and again, you've got to get in the pool. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, just, I'm going to sort of put you on the spot, as as it were. Um, If, if you could sum it up uh, in terms of the benefits of understanding uh, cross-cultural communication, cross-cultural. Um, body language and the way that different kind of groups of people interact with with each other in terms of the benefit it has for you as a person not just as a people reader but particularly as a person what might you say in response to that
1: Uh, I believe that in understanding cross-cultural communication or other cultures it helps you to better understand yourself and your own preconceived notions and biases as well and it, I think that it, it helps you if, if you begin the pursuit in earnest, I think it helps or, or provides a pathway in which you can become more empathetic. And I believe that empathy is is one of the keys to human existence, to be able to put yourself in someone else's spot. Because we, we all relationally we're, we're, we we don't know, it's cliche. And I know it's it sounds very overs oversimplistic, but we don't know what we don't know. Mm. Right, it's the, the the four stages of knowledge. You don't know what you don't know, you know what you don't know, you start to become competent in what what you uh, know, and then it's automaticity. It becomes secondhand nature. You don't even think about it anymore. Mm. So uh, uh, until, and some people, they're just so there's they're just so entrenched in where they live, or even with the internet, they they never leave the island of of the uh, the maybe the, the square block that they live in. Yeah. So it's it's at the beginning of understanding that there are people that have other frames of reference that you can connect with and maybe even agree with and grow to appreciate if you're open enough to it. So the first step to understanding other cultures and cross-cultural communication is coming to the acceptance that there are viewpoints and opinions that are different than your own and that they're not necessarily wrong and that... They don't necessarily mean that what you think or do is wrong either. Is that overly simplistic? Is that I, I, really I love really it too steroblique oh, oh.
0: no? N- well, not not for my tastes uh, at, at all. That's that's uh, that's right up my street, uh, okay. as uh, as it were.
2: Can't be more adept to the situation now in terms of like what's going on in the world with COVID. Not everybody knows the the full information, but you just look on things like social media and everyone's got a separate standpoint on this. Some of them you would think we're, expert, we're experts by what information they believe and stuff like that. And and then others uh, saying they've got this information or that information. And there's a lot of sort of people who are on those sort of like wavelengths of expertise, like, you know, like you say, so engrossed in their own truths and uh, whatever they have and won't ever see the full spectrum, the outside. And that's, I think at the moment, is very sort of what's happening in social media in sort of like, I know we weren't gonna go into politics, but in terms of what's happening, especially in the UK, in terms of direction of the government and what's going on.
1: Uh, well, I'm happy moving into politics if you'd like to at some point as well. Maybe that'll be the next episode we can talk about yeah, yeah. American need- politics specifically. We I'm sure that we could uh, we could ruffle some feathers on both sides of the pond, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but once again, uh, it, I think we're, we're getting back to confirmation bias and people not be, not willing to assimilate or be open to new information. Yeah. Uh, it, with, the way I see it, and this is, this is true with cross-cultural communication, driving that into the ground or anything else, the more information that I'm exposed to, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to reinforce my beliefs because it's going to further strengthen what I hold to be true or a truism, or else it's giving me new information to adapt to and to change. Either way, I don't think exposure to new or different information is necessarily a bad thing. No. Much like I don't believe that, it, that exposure to, to new or different cultures is a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that that has to be my reality, but it doesn't, it, it also doesn't mean that I can't adapt to it or assimilate it if it's something that will benefit me. I just don't see the point in, in sequestering yourself in an echo chamber. I just don't. In any aspect of life, be it culturally, politically, or anything else, even in, in pursuit of uh, Holmesian or Sherlockian uh, knowledge, I'm mm-hmm. sure that the, you know that you, as experts, probably encounter people that have a completely different take on it that maybe you never thought before. But then, once someone gives you that new idea, it might open up a whole new world for you.
0: Massively. So that was one of the, that was one of the reasons why I, I put the network together for for that 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 sole reason right there and, and uh, i'm I'm so glad you were that you that you hit upon that and i just for those people listening i didn't bribe him to say that <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah we'll, we'll hold to that one for sure yeah
0: that, that that i'm going to let everyone know about anyway listen <laughs> my friend it's it's been an absolute joy and i i can only speak for myself when I say that I could quite happily continue this on into the rest of probably next week. Uh, at, at this at this stage, to be perfectly honest with you. But what we're going to do um, in terms of this being very much about the uh, the human side of perception when it comes to the level of information that's there, we're going to bring Matthew again for another one and um, dig down uh, in, into the nitty gritty. Because this is going to benefit you guys immeasurably, so wherever you are, wherever you come across this uh, this particular uh, viewing, be it via the tube of you or out there in the ether on a um, uh, 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 Spotify or wherever else you find this, I'm sure it's available somewhere. Someone's probably pirated it somewhere already, for for all I know. Um, <laughs> all, all I ask is that you make sure you show Matthew some love and uh, thank him for his time and his wisdom that is shared. And I don't say that at all to be sycophantic, mate. I say that genuinely because I'm, I'm Appreciate completely it. appreciative of it. And uh, so, yeah, guys from, a uh, from our side, make sure you're getting involved with, uh, with act two of the escape game. It's, uh, it's getting really tight and really tense now. Um, yeah, well, I was going to drop you a little hint there, but no, no, I won't. I'll, I'll keep you, I'll keep you, uh, I'll keep you uh, on, on the hook for a little bit longer. People have been asking for the possibility of hints here and there, but that just—that's the evil bastard in me knowing that it's that, that it's working. So, <laughs> right, guys, wherever you are, whatever you're up to, I, uh, I do hope you're all keeping safe and well, and uh, we shall talk to you all next time. All the best.
1: Guys, take care.